Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon and welcome to a new week on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. And uh, what a weekend it would have been to uh, to have hung out at the sportsbook. Great place to watch games. And, man, did we have some good games on the NFL front in the division round conference championship games coming up this weekend. Just a couple of weeks away, I guess three weeks away from the uh, from the Super Bowl. Uh, great spot to be. Learn more about the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino online at PearlRiverResort.com. Hope you'll join us this afternoon on the Ceasefire text line. We certainly have plenty to talk about. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. Where? Right here in C Spire country. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon and a pretty good sports weekend if um, drama in NFL playoff games is your thing, you had plenty of that. Three of the four games were uh, were close and interesting. Borky laid it out as the worst game of the weekend was the first game of the weekend. Just kind of an appetizer to get you going. And even that one had plenty to talk about with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Defense was good. Lamar Jackson was really good. And the Ravens got that win. We'll talk all about these. We got basketball from the weekend. We got winners and losers. We got a college football fix. Hey, boys! Happy Monday. Hey, you guys, how's it going? You guys thawed out yet? Great to be here. We, oh, I've been thawed out, man. We're good. Yeah, we're close. We got a very encouraging message from the superintendent of the Oxford School District. That said, look, we understand the bottom line is kids need to be back in school. So there's no school today. And they are planning to have school tomorrow. Uh, if there's going to be a delayed start, they'll let people know by 6 o'clock tonight. And they're going to make a final decision by 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's gotten really slushy. And it's going to stay well above freezing Good. tonight. And rain is on the way. So I think there are a lot of people that are hoping above freezing 
with a pretty steady rain may kind of wash what's left. There's Look, there, there's a stop sign in front of our house, and about lunchtime yesterday, I hit the slickest spot that I have hit in an entire week. And it wasn't going, like, was easing up to the stop sign. Borky didn't even have foot on the brake. And my truck fishtailed and went to about 45, Ooh. about a 45 degree angle. Like, it was a legit fishtail. And I was like, man, when is this going to end? <laughs> <laughs> this has to come to an end soon. Jeff and Ponatox says that uh, Lafayette. Uh, the Lafayette School District has already canceled for tomorrow, and, and that doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, look, you just got, and, and Pontotoc County has as well. With, with the roads in the county, there's just so much more real estate that has to be covered. And you've got more two-lane roads and more shady roads. The Oxford School District's got some issues, and, and the biggest issue, I, I, I get that there's frustration among parents because we need to get kids back to school, like for sanity reasons. But you gotta, you have to think about the school buses. I mean, it's not can a parent with a four wheel drive or can a parent with a front wheel drive car get their kid to school? It's you got a lot of kids within your school district who rely on bus transportation, and so you're thinking about these big school buses. And the safety of the kids on those and them dealing with, you know, areas where it may still be slick. I mean, that's, that's the deciding factor yeah. in all of this. It has been a mess. I was talking with Rick Mize, who's the, the station manager here in Oxford and in, in Corinth a little while ago. Um, he said, I don't remember anything like this. Normally you have a weather event like this in North Mississippi and it hangs around for a couple of days. And after two or three days, you're, you're good to go. It's just back to normal. You may still have some snow or some ice that you see on the sides of the roads, but the roads are fine. It hasn't. It, yesterday was the first time it got above freezing going back to last Sunday. It, it and so there's been nowhere for it to go. It, it's been, it has been something. Yeah, it sounds miserable, honestly. Yeah, I mean the first couple of days were awesome because the kids sled and play and, you know, just go and go and go. But by about the third or fourth day of that, even the kids are like, all right, we're just going to stay in the house today, take a day to regroup. Yes. And then it gets slushy and nasty, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. We, we are creatures of routine, and when our routines get mixed up and messed up, nobody's happy. Yeah. Nobody, even even the most change-acceptable person is like, I, I need to get back to what I'm used to doing. And, yeah. and so we couldn't do that last week for the most part. And the people up north like to look down on the people in the south for uh, how we handle winter weather. I've got family in Ohio and Pennsylvania scattered yeah. all over the country. Honestly, at this point, everybody's just moving all over the place. They don't get what we get. It just snows there. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can walk up to your car. At my late uncle's funeral a, a while ago, it snowed like crazy the entire time. You don't even have to use an ice scraper on your windows of your car. You just you could walk up and blow the snow off the windshield Dry of the car. Snow, it's yeah. not a big deal. I mean, it's like the stuff you see in the movies. And so, of course, you can drive on that because the roads are fine because it's nothing. You don't get the the ice that just sits on the road for three days. In in your case, three hundred days. Uh, like it. Like like you do here. It's totally different, but eh, they can't be bothered with that. They yes. also can't handle hot weather, so. Yeah, exactly. Also true. 
Also above, true. Did I tell you guys about? It's above eighty-five up there. They're closing schools. Did I tell you guys about my whale watching experience in San Francisco? So you mentioned it. We're, we're on the boat. You didn't go into much detail. Driving out into the bay, and everybody on the boat's cold. Like the whole boat is tourists. Like nobody's from California, and yeah, you know, I'm from Mississippi. The group there, there was six of us that all went, and and all of us are from Mississippi. And we're freezing because it's like 40 degrees and we're on the water and the wind's blowing and this boat's going and there's no cabin. So we're sitting on the boat just freezing. We're sitting here shaking and the captain goes, you guys are funny. You should have been here two weeks ago. It almost got to 90. <laughs> Buddy. I, I, Borky, I remember that. That was that coincided with Ole Miss That's was right. playing at Cal yeah. and they were coming off of a like record-setting heat spell. In what mid September or whatever right. it was, I remember going out there, and be like, "You got to be kidding me! This is where it's supposed to be like cool and pleasant and whatever." And really going out into the middle, ended up being cool and pleasant for uh, for most of that trip, and and even cold at the uh, the football game itself that night. But and but the thing is, it, it's kind of like what you were saying a second ago. What are you accustomed to, and what are you ready for? There are a ton of homes in Northern California that don't have air condition. That's what he said. His house does not have AC. And so if you go through a spell with temps in the high 80s, into the low 90s, maybe even the mid to upper 90s, and I don't care what the humidity situation is, you don't have air condition, that's miserable. Yeah. That, that is miserable. Um, you know, everybody's trying to be creative. What, what can you do to get the kids out of the house? Shout out to uh, our friends at M-Trade Park. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Visit them online at mtradepark.com. You guys know you've been there before. They have the indoor facility there. So it's like a, a, a miniature indoor practice facility with turf. I actually um, reserved that for a couple of hours. I had a bunch of kids. We just let them run today. They played football and pickleball and wiffle ball and everything else inside for like two hours. It's like go expel energy. So uh, great spot. And, you know, if you're going there for uh, for tournaments, you're using that same space with indoor batting cages and everything else, find out more online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. I've got a take, um, by the way, that's going to melt all your ice up there. The fumble okay. through the end zone touchback for the other team rule is actually good. That's a good rule. Okay. It's a good rule. I know Haydad disagrees. He this is not a rule that he's liked in the past. So it so it happened last night. If for for those of you out there that you didn't watch Bills Chiefs, the Bills were down three in the fourth quarter and ran a fake punt. Uh, Demar Hamlin uh, of all people uh, got stopped short on their own thirty. Ran a fake punt. Uh, who was it? Pacheco that had the long run but got pushed out right before the goal line, and then the Chiefs lined up and obviously snapped the ball again. Doe for the corner of the end zone, fumbled the ball, and the ball went across the goal line out of the side of the end zone, which is a touchback given back right. to Buffalo. If the ball breaks the plane of the end zone and then goes out of bounds, it becomes a touchback possession to the other team. And what I've thought for the longest time, and what a lot of people think, is that needs to be treated just like a regular fumble. The ball gets put, if it goes forward and out of bounds, the ball comes back to where the, the ball was fumbled. But the end zone is special. You can't treat the end zone like every other yard line on the field. It is special by design. 
Mm-hmm. So, yes, you should have a special rule for the end zone as opposed to a regular yard line because it is different. And then people would be reckless with ball security. You should be punished for fumbling in that spot in that special zone. And there's already a unique rule about fumbling the ball forward. We'll talk about that when we come back and whether or not this makes sense. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Door number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. With us this afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio, Michael Borky said before the break that uh, he, he thinks this is a hot take. That he thinks the rule where a ball that is fumbled into the end zone that is not recovered by either team and goes out of bounds and results in a touchback, giving possession to the other team, should be changed. And part of his rationale was the end zone is a special place, and so it's okay to have a special rule and treat that situation differently. I think, Borky, this would add to your argument, we already have a situation in the rule book where we treat fumbles differently. First down, second down, third down, you fumble the football wherever it is recovered. If it's recovered by the offense, that's where the ball is spotted. And if it results in a first down, congratulations. Ball could get kicked, punched, bounced around, whatever. Let's say it ends up 35 yards downfield and it's recovered. Congratulations. If the offense recovered it, that is the new line of scrimmage, first down. However, if you fumble the ball forward on fourth down and it is recovered by the offense, then the ball is spotted where the fumble occurred not where it's recovered, right? So so think, think you're in a college football game and you've got fourth and three and you're going for it and a hit happens at the two yard, after a gain of two yards. But it you fumble it forward and it's either recovered by your teammates or it goes out of bounds past the yard the yard line to gain for a first down. The ball comes back to where the fumble occurred, and you wouldn't gain the first down. So we already have a, a special rule for a certain situation on fumbles. So what would you propose the rule being? Do you come back and spot the ball where the fumble occurred, or do you make it an even more unique rule where it's more penal for fumbling the ball into the end zone for a touchback if it goes out of bounds without being recovered by the defense, do you move it back to the 10-yard line and say you retain possession but this is a more significant penalty or do you just put it where the fumble happened? No, see, I'm okay with the offense losing the ball in this scenario. Somebody on the text line said you're punishing the offense. Well, then don't fumble the ball. Uh, but I do like the idea of giving it to the defense where the fumble occurred as opposed to making that a touchback and giving them the ball on the 20. 
Uh, that, that's a nice modification, actually. You, you give them the possession. You treat the end zone differently because it is different. But also, you don't give them a net of 18 but, but, yards or whatever. But hold on a second. You, you don't give the defense possession if there's not a clear defensive recovery anywhere else on the field of play. Why would you give them possession just because the ball went out of the out of bounds? Because the end zone's different than anywhere zone. else on the field. I, I, I like the I like treating the end zone differently. It is not the thirty yard line or the fifty yard line or but the twenty five. It's, but, but, it's the end but zone. But if you throw an interception where a ball is intercepted in the end zone and a knee's taken, it's a touchback. You don't go back to where the ball was released from the quarterback's hand. Yeah, because that could be from anywhere on the field. I mean, with Josh Allen, it can be on their own 20 with a ball that he threw last night that was dropped, by the way, by uh, Diggs, who's going to have a really cool tweet later about it, I'm sure. Um, Fumble's different than interceptions. Or maybe you just put it back on the 20 and and treat those the exact same. It's, It's a turnover, right? Losing possession of the ball. I just don't. The more I think about it, the less I hate it. Hold on to the football. Protect it more, because you're not you're not as protected in that spot of the field. I, I like treating well, it differently. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What if it? What? What if? If it's a fourth down fumble that goes into the end zone without clear recovery, then the defense gets the ball where it it was fumbled. But let, let's say you're running toward the end zone and it gets punched out from behind and it goes through the end zone and nobody recovers it and it goes to the defense and they get it at the 20. In that scenario, do you give it back to the offense? Or you want change of possession regardless? Change of possession regardless. You just don't want it at the 20-yard line. I'm cool with it being at the 20. I think it would be better at the spot of the fumble. But yeah, okay. after I watched that last night, I thought, you know, maybe this isn't as bad. As as people think it is, hold on to the football, protect the ball. Clown says it's the stupidest rule in football, and it always has been. If you fumble out of the end zone, it's a touchback. That's always been the stupidest rule, in my opinion. You're rewarding a defense that does nothing to deserve it. The ball should be placed at the spot of the fumble, and then go on to the next play. And if it was a fourth down fumble, then the defense gets it. But if it's a third down fumble, you go back, or you know, first down. Hey, Dad, you hate this rule. Why do you hate it? Because at the end of the day, there is no loss of possession. You fumble the ball out of the end zone, that's fine, but the defense didn't recover it. I don't understand. I've never understood how there can be a change of possession when the defense doesn't take the ball away. That bothers me, and that's why I think this is a dumb rule. And I don't necessarily know because, you know, if you fumble it at the six and it goes out the back of the end zone where we're going to spot it, I would say spot it at the six, but. I, I get that there can be some issues there, but when there's no change of possession, there's no change of possession. That's how I look at it. Tim in Ridgeland says it's always been a ridiculous rule. The end zone is special, therefore the defense gets possession. Place the ball at the two or the three. Don't penalize the fumbling team by tacking on field position as a punishment of an additional 17 to 18 yards. I'm cool with that. It's a perfectly fine compromise to me. Yeah. I don't know that that's a super hot take, but anyway. just the second it happened last night, everybody, oh, dumbest rule in sports, dumbest rule in sports, and in my head, hold on to the ball. Yeah. Protect the ball. And then you don't have to worry about the dumbest rule in sports if you don't fumble the ball. Jeff says it's not a bad rule unless it affects your team. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're the beneficiary of it, you like the rule in that situation, but you can still, as a whole, like if you remove your team from the situation, um, maybe maybe it can be a bad rule. Somebody said plus a fourth down fumble cannot be advanced by the offense other than a muff punt. That's correct. Uh, let's see here. You're right, Borky. Only two end zones. That's from Dwayne and Brandon. Uh, let's see here. Because that particular... Uh, he's trying to say end zone there. I think he's voice texting. Oh, okay. Because that particular end zone is technically the defense's end zone that they're defending. Somebody says giving the defense from the point of the fumble is almost a punishment because the defense forced the fumble. But not always. Sometimes you drop it. But it's still, you know... Uh, why help the defense out of the end zone with a fumble because they didn't recover the ball either, so it's just hurting the offense and helping the defense. Yes, I hate the rule, too. feels like most people don't like the rule, especially when you give more to the defense than just possession of the ball. Yeah. Bart says it's being changed. Uh, that, so they're going to consider it, but apparently league ownership is not really keen on making that change right now. So that will be an off-season thing, but uh, apparently the early feedback from owners was there's more important things to worry about than that. Kyle says as far as bad rules go, I don't like players being able to push runners forward. Ooh. I don't, I don't mind that. Why not? Isn't that the essence of the game is being physical? Yeah, I mean that's everything is about going forward. And if you push your guy forward, who cares? And the other guy's trying to push him back. The 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 defense has an advantage because they have the offense has ten guys that can use both of their hands. The defense has eleven guys that can use both of their hands. Somebody's got to carry that ball. I, I don't hate the fact that if a running back gets held up by a linebacker, his lineman can come up behind him and knock him forward. Because a defender can come up behind the linebacker and knock him backwards. You gotta you you have to gang tackle. It's it's a violent game, or at least it it's supposed to be. Yeah, it is. But when you've only got to get one yard, that's awfully hard for the defense. It's all. It almost makes it more impressive when you see a defense stop one of those plays. Yeah, I, I mean, just, if you've got Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen running that play, you know. Uh, have you seen the new thing that uh, defensive tackles are doing, m- more specifically, like nose tackles on spikes? So when they know that the, the quarterback's going to spike the ball, they will dive underneath the center's legs to try to intercept it. Next time, if you're watching a close game, watch the nose tackle closely on a spike. They are diving between the center's leg to try to intercept the ball as it's getting spiked to the ground. So if you have a quarterback that like rears back to spike it, he's going to get picked off soon. It's going to happen. Yeah. Spiking the ball is one of those plays that teams make harder than it has to be. Mm -hmm. That ball should never come above knee height. Like, if you take a direct snap, it ought to just be straight down. Might even be a way that you get away with a fumble. <laughs> so if you're kind of bobbling the snap and you make it look like you're spiking it. Uh, let's get into a hoops conversation when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, let's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. 
got a text message from a friend said there is a, an alternate way to look at this uh, this rule that we're discussing. If the rule applies to both teams, just play the game and shut up. <laughs> uh, I, I suppose if it's a bad rule, you think it's a bad rule, but it's a bad rule that applies to everybody, then okay. Not as bad as Todd Bowles, by the way, with a timeout left, with 38 seconds left in the game, and the Lions are taking a knee on third down, and he chooses not to use that timeout. And and apparently he was asked about it today, and his answer was, why the, delay the inevitable? B- because, Coach, they would have had to kick a 50-yard field goal. Now, in the NFL, they make those more often than not, but uh, you saw in the game that came after yours, they missed those too. And if they miss that field goal, you've got 30 seconds left. You're mm-hmm. telling me that you can't go score in 30 seconds with Mike Evans on your team? Also the opportunity to possibly block a field goal? Or if they punt, you could buy it because that could have been an option. They, I don't know. I just, you know, sometimes in those moments you just have brain farts. But, man, somebody on that staff, if not him, should have been, hey, coach, call that timeout, make them kick, see what happens. We'll get into these games more um, later in the show this afternoon. Ravens beat the Texans 34-10. to um, Lamar Jackson was really, really good. A four-touchdown performance. 49ers beat the Packers on Saturday night, 24-21. Fun game there. I think Jordan Love would probably like a redo on that last throw that led to an interception. Lions beat the Bucks 31-23. The Detroit Lions are headed to the NFC Championship game. And the Chiefs, in dramatic fashion, with a win over Buffalo, 27-24. That sets up a matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the AFC Championship game with a trip to the Super Bowl hanging in the balance. So that's pretty good stuff all the way around. What was the stat that uh, popped up over the weekend that uh, John Harbaugh has a chance? It's John Harbaugh, right? Wouldn't he be the coach? Of all three Ravens Super Bowl winners, if that were to happen, does he go back that far? No, because Billick no. won one. That's right. That's right. Brian Billick was the coach when uh, uh, when Dilfer won it. This is the year of the Harbaugh, though. It's, it's been a pretty good run for people with the last name Harbaugh. And it's just January 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. I think he meant carryover, but, you know, I guess the championships themselves are all in this calendar year um, so far, yeah. although there's still a good bit of work to do for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's turn our attention, though, to uh, something a little more local. We'll start in Starkville, Mississippi State, hosting Vanderbilt on Saturday. Another good crowd at Humphrey Coliseum, and the Bulldogs got a really nice win over the Vanderbilt Commodores. It was not, it was not necessarily the cleanest game. Um, Vanderbilt just struggles to make shots. Mississippi State at times struggles to make shots as well. But Tolu Smith was an absolute beast. He has another double-double, and he did it this time when he started the second half with zero rebounds. He had zero rebounds in the first half of that basketball game and still, hey, Dad, finished with a double-double on Saturday in the win against Vanderbilt. Yeah, I agree with your assessment of things. That that it, uh, if they had been playing anybody other than Vanderbilt, they might have been in some trouble. 
But, I mean, that's my first time to really watch Vanderbilt this year, and you, you see why they, they struggle the way they do. They, they can't make shots. And uh, as your friend Mark Wise would tell us, that, that is the single most important thing you have to do if you want to win a basketball game is make shots, and they, they had trouble doing it. Um, I thought State played really well defensively. Now, I think Vanderbilt helps them in that, that regard. But I thought that, for the most part, they contested shots. Uh, they, they were good on the boards. Uh, but Tolu was definitely the difference in, in this one and then played a, a really good game. Um, and one thing I did like from him in this game was that, you know, he struggled on the free throw line early in the game. And so Vanderbilt kind of went hack a shack on him and decided we're going to put him on the line and try to get back in this. And then he makes five of his, his last six free throws mm-hmm. to ice the game for Mississippi State. That's good. Um, so they needed a win. They needed a win. They, this is a really tough stretch coming up for them right now. Four straight quad one. Opportunities. Three of them are on the road. Uh, they need to find some. They got to start stacking up some wins and building up that resume. And they, 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 a loss to. I've come to the conclusion that Vanderbilt is the toughest game on the schedule for every SEC team this year because everybody is on, on thin ice. They're like, can't lose, cannot lose this one. Anybody else you play, you're like, all right, we can bounce back from that if something goes wrong. This one, it's a resume killer. So State got through the trap, and now they move on to uh, to bigger and better things. I actually think we overplayed that. You know, when you really dig into Mississippi State's schedule, yes, a loss to Vanderbilt would have looked bad on the resume. And if they ended up being a bubble team at the end of the year, then it could be the difference in getting in or not getting in. But Mississippi State's net is going to be fine. It's not going anywhere because of this schedule that they play. And and I don't know that we did a good enough job really examining Eight of their first nine conference games, Vanderbilt this past Saturday being the exception, are all quadrant mm-hmm. one games because of the combination of where they're played. They, they played yeah. the right ones on the road and the right ones at home for all of those games to fall into the quad one category, which is it's a daunting schedule early for Mississippi State. State's net took a hit uh, losing this game, but I think it took a bigger hit because if you look at their schedule, half of the teams they've beaten lost this weekend. Northwestern lost, North Texas lost, Washington State lost, um, somebody else that they've beaten lost. And so they dropped down to 40. If they if they can get a couple of wins in these next four, if they can, you know, I'll, I'll just throw out the, the two games that they have the, the the best opportunity. I think are at Florida and at Ole Miss. So if they win those two games, net's going to be sitting there pretty comfortably in the mid-30s uh, going into a back half of the schedule where you have a, a little bit a little bit easier path. There's still a lot of difficult games, some landmines to navigate, but it's not this, these first nine games are just ridiculous for State. Yeah. Vanderbilt's best player is Ezra Magnon. He's their point guard. He handles the ball a ton. He had scored in double figures in 14 of the 15 games that he had played in this season. Um, he had a streak of 15, uh, what was it? He had had 10 straight games with 15 or more points prior to the game against Auburn last Wednesday night. I think he had 11 in that game. Magnon was absolutely handcuffed by Mississippi State. He had three points and only attempted three shots, and he only got to the free throw line one time. This is a guy that gets himself into position to score. He's not a three-point shooter at all. He's only got four three-point attempts in conference play this season. So his his deal is trying to get downhill, get in traffic, 
lot of ball fakes. Mississippi State didn't fall for any of that. They forced the ball out of his hands for 40 minutes, or or at least for the 34 minutes that he was on the floor. I, I thought that was the best piece of what Mississippi State did defensively against Vanderbilt on, on Saturday. They took Vanderbilt's best player and completely neutralized him. I thought another thing that Vanderbilt hit some tough shots. Like they, they, they hit four or five turnaround, fadeaway jump shots that I just like, that shot shouldn't go in. They were well defended and then they just kind of heaved it up there and they went in. You know, I, I thought from a defense, I, I don't know the advanced metrics on it, but it feels like state probably should have only given up like 45 points in this game. But Vandy hit five or six shots that, you know, were not high percentage shots. Yeah, Tyron Lawrence had a couple of those. I think Evan Taylor had one. Van Allen Lubin had a couple of those. One of them, he just shot straight over the top of Tolu Smith. I mean, it was like from eight feet out, and it went like 15 feet in the air, just up over his hand and just dropped it, barely even touched the uh, the net. I I thought it was a good win for Mississippi State. Um, Jason Rivera-Torres, freshman guard for Vanderbilt, had been playing really well. He had scored in double figures in all four SEC games prior to the game. Uh, they held him to seven points. Uh, we, we mentioned, uh, you know, a second ago, Ezra Bagnon. It was really good. And then for Mississippi State, I thought there was pretty good balance. Uh, Tolu Smith goes for 25 and 11, four offensive rebounds, 11 total rebounds in the second half. DJ Jeffries has 10 points in the game. Josh Hubbard has 11 in the game, made a couple of threes. Watching Mississippi State's crowd, React to Josh Hubbard every single time he touches the basketball. Borky is really fun. Like there is a, there's like a ripple in the crowd every time the ball is into his hands on the perimeter. People's arms go up because <laughs> they think he's about to shoot another three, and then you know that that's the reaction. Your arm goes up, and then you cheer if it goes in, and you just kind of drop your arms to your side every time the ball gets to his hands on the perimeter. That starts to happen, and then people are like disappointed when he passes it. He, he's got a chance to, to be special. And, and hey, Dad, from a shooting standpoint, it was okay for, for Mississippi State. Man, great. Yeah, 43% from the field, 12 of 22 from the free throw line. they got to figure out the free throw line thing. It's already cost them one game in the SEC. If they don't figure that out, it's going to be more than one. Yes, yes. And, and first half was rough, but like I said, they finished it strong. Maybe they can build that momentum into the next game. Ole Miss had the uh, the fourth game of the day on that quadruple header on the SEC network. They went to Auburn, turned into a house of horrors for the Rebels on Saturday night. Let's talk about that when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. All right, so Ole Miss had to go to Neville Arena on Saturday night to take on the Auburn Tigers. If you have not watched Auburn this year, you should. And and really, you should watch them when they're not playing your team because it will give you the ability to admire what they do. 
a little bit more than be frustrated by what they do. This is a good Auburn basketball team. They led by 19 at the half, 46-27 over Ole Miss. They outscored him by four in the second half for an 82-59 win. I don't mean this, I'm not taking a shot when I say this, but it was a 23-point win for Auburn, and it really wasn't that close. No. Auburn dominated. Ole Miss had one player scoring double figures, and that was Alan Flanagan in a bit of a homecoming, back to the place where he played first four years of his college career. Ten points on three of ten shooting. Four of those ten points came from the free throw line. Only one in double figures. Matthew Morrell was three of eight. Jalen Murray was three of six. Musa Cisse had eight points on four of four shooting. He actually played reasonably well. Jamin Brakefield had a tough night. He was three of ten from the field. Just not good from a scoring standpoint. And then on the other side, Auburn was balanced. At halftime in that game, they had played 11 players, and all 11 players had scored. Damn it, that's... Jalen Williams had 13 in 21 minutes. Janai Broom had 13 in 21 minutes. They had 12 from Dylan Cardwell, who's the backup center, in 18 minutes. And that's the thing about this Auburn team. Nobody on the entire roster averages more than 24 minutes a game, but they have 10 players who average more than 15 minutes a game. It's incredible. Very. I think they're the, I think they're the deepest team in college basketball. And they're unselfish as well. I mean, perfectly fine sharing the basketball. They are. Uh, they're really, really, really impressive. And um, and so what I'm about to say doesn't take away from uh, Auburn being impressive. Uh, Ole Miss looked like they weren't ready for that. That they weren't ready for that kind of team, and they weren't ready for that environment. Uh, not only was Auburn just better than them because they should be at this point in Bruce Pearl's tenure and Chris Beard's tenure. Auburn should be better than you. But they are, by a rather significant margin. However, Ole Miss played very poorly on top of not being good enough athletically and as basketball players to match up with Auburn. I know there were two sides to the same coin in the first half. Auburn shot it great. They shot 67% in the first half, 18 of 27, and they were 6 of 10 from behind the arc. So, yes, Auburn shot it great, but Ole Miss didn't play very good defense either. And so those two things can be true at the same time. And when one team's making shots and the other team's not, it looks really one-sided. And it was. Uh, and so this takes you into a really significant week for Ole Miss. They have a struggling Arkansas team coming to the pavilion on Wednesday night. And then they go to College Station next Saturday. And then next Tuesday night, they've got Mississippi State coming to the Pavilion. So far, so far, Ole Miss has held serve at home, and they've been outmatched on the road. Will that continue? They're going to have to continue to win their road get their home games. And they're going to have to find a way to get a couple on the road. Because odds are you're not going to go undefeated at home. Seems unlikely. Because it's a home schedule that includes Mississippi State that we talked about just a second ago, Auburn, um, Missouri comes here, South Carolina comes to Oxford, Alabama comes to Oxford, A&M comes to Oxford at the end of the year. So there's some challenging games. Mm -hmm. 
Almost going to have to win its home games. They're going to have to steal one or two on the road. And stop playing so sloppy. I mean, that, that's the, the LSU game was really the only truly winnable of these three. And luckily for them, yeah, yeah. they got their two most, possibly their two most difficult road games out of the way. Yeah, uh, for sure. You got to go to Kentucky, but at least you're not, at least you have Auburn and Tennessee on the road out of the way. All right. At, le- at least there's that. But. They, they've got to figure out some things offensively, too. I mean, I know rebounding's been the big topic of conversation, but Jalen Murray's too good of a shooter to only have six shots. you got to create for him. And and you've got – you had a couple of guys in this game where it's like they were kind of doing like NBA isolation stuff, and, and neither Flanagan nor Brakefield are good enough ball handlers to, to just attack a defender one-on-one and, and beat him off the bounce and get to the basket. They're just they're, – they're not good enough at that – to make that a big part of their offense, and that costs them possession after possession. Yeah. That's that's not how they're going to win games. I thought everything looked hard for Ole Miss on Saturday. When you watch that game and you, you watch Auburn on the defensive end, it's like, how many guys have they got out there on defense? they playing with six? Are they playing with seven? Because it looked hard for Ole Miss, and then on the offensive end, Auburn was just whatever they wanted. And, and their offensive rebounding... So, so good. And, and it just leads to, to second chance points, second chance opportunities, and finding the open guy and then the open guy making shots. So that's what happened on the Plains on Saturday night. Winners and losers. I'm really excited about this. We'll be back with you coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour on this Monday. It's time for winners and losers coming up in just a moment. You can text us yours on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet service, or the best in business IT services, ceasefire has you covered. Learn more online at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort the home of live entertainment. Told you last week about some of the events that are coming up this spring and summer, and you got some really cool stuff. Ron White coming up on February the 24th, just over a month from now. That's on uh, Saturday night at 8 o'clock in the Silver Star Convention Center. Cool in the gang, March 16th. That's also a Saturday at the Silver Star Convention Center. And then later in the spring on May 4th, the Wallflowers. You can buy your tickets online at PearlRiverResort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We're What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? You can send us yours on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. I'm going to start because I don't want you guys to steal my first winner. You probably could guess where I'm going to go. Not football, not basketball, 
I'm going to the golf course. I don't think Hey Dad was going to steal the. Yeah, but you might would have. Probably. You, you might would have taken this one. We, we take you to the desert in Southern California, Palm Desert, Palm Springs. Nick Dunlap. Is that a golf name that you recognize? Maybe not if you haven't really been paying attention. Nick Dunlap is the first golfer to win the U.S. Junior Amateur and the U.S. Amateur since Tiger Woods. It's really hard. It's a really hard golf tournament to win. Both of those are, and to win both of them says something special about a golfer. Uh, Nick Dunlap had played in some professional events. Uh, he had played in the U.S. Open a couple of times, qualifying as a result of his, his amateur play. And he played in the American Express this weekend as an amateur. And on Saturday, he grabbed everybody's attention when he went out and he shot 60. He shot 60 on Saturday to give himself a two-shot lead going into the final round. And yesterday, for the first time since 1991, at the oh, at the time it was the Northern Telecom Open, the old Tucson Open, Phil Mickelson back in 1991 was the last amateur to win a PGA Tour event until yesterday when Nick Dunlap did that. He made a 5-foot, 9-inch par putt on the 18th hole to secure the victory. He outlasted um, Justin Thomas, who played really, really well. Thomas coming off a kind of a poor year by his standards. Played well. Had a great quote after Saturday. He said, you know, my goal was to come out here and shoot 30 under for the tournament. And I thought that might be good enough to win, but I didn't know that I was going to have a freaking college kid shoot 60. He's a sophomore at the University of Alabama. He was scheduled to play in the Farmers Open at Torrey Pines this week, but has withdrawn from that event. And I thought a pretty mature statement. He said, after all that has happened to me in the last 24 hours, I'm going to go home, back to Alabama, spend some time with family and friends, and kind of decide what's coming up next. He's got a decision to make. Um, also a winner, Christian Bazudenhout. Excuse me. Hey, Dad, he didn't win the golf Bless tournament. You. He finished second, but he got the first place prize, $1,512,000, because when you compete as an amateur, you cannot win the money. Hence, you're, you're an amateur. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine no, no, winning a golf tournament where the first place prize is $1,512,000. And because of that little A in parentheses next to your name, you get zero. Can't, zero. Can't you renounce your, can't you renounce, you know, you're about, you're going to sink the putt to, to win the tournament. Renounce your amateur status right there before you hit the ball. Like, I renounce my, I am no longer an amateur, now pro. Catch it. That's Don't think it works that way. Oh, well. Um, and I, I saw a lot of people say, oh, well, he's going to get NIL deals. It's like, he's a college golfer. He's not getting a million five in NIL deals, guys. Is Edwin Watts going to hook him up with it, something? In fairness, he is already sponsored by True Temper, which makes shafts for golf clubs. Uh, he's already sponsored by Adidas and TaylorMade. He, he's already getting checks. Those checks are about to get bigger, though. Yeah, they are. A so, lot bigger. So, correct me if I'm wrong. So, 
the the win gets him the Masters invite and also the PGA invite, right? But if he renounces his amateur status for some reason, the U.S. Open and the Open uh, are something that he would have to qualify for despite winning on tour? That That is correct. So you've got to have enough points or world golf ranking to qualify for those events. He's playing in the Masters regardless. Yeah. As uh, by by virtue of winning the USAM, he's invited to play at Augusta. He's also invited to play at the US Open and the Open Championship, but not the PGA. He has now because of his win qualified for the PGA and has full status on tour through the 2026 season. So he can play in all the elevated events now. He's just got to decide whether or not he's going to turn pro or he's going to continue to compete as an amateur, which, I mean, I guess it's a hard decision. Amateur golf still a big deal. Yeah. But he's accomplished just about everything you can accomplish in amateur golf. He has won the U.S. Junior Am. He's won the U.S. Am. He's won a Walker Cup. And he's now won a professional tournament as an amateur. And I get that you don't want to bail on your teammates and you want to go play in the spring SEC season and have a chance to win a national championship. I, I feel like you've kind of already surpassed those things. It, it, it's time to go start making a living, I think. It's a story like that that makes the the concept of live being what pro golf is disappointing because you don't have that story anymore. It goes away if the tour format as it's formatted goes away. Of course, his offer from Liv is probably pretty good now if he wants to oh. go play with those boys also. Oh, I'm sure it would be, yeah. yeah. Better than Brooks Kepka's disappointing brother. Hey, Dad, you got a winner? You too, man. We're sitting here in the middle of the NFL playoffs, college basketball heating up. We're going to spend eight minutes talking about golf. I it's, get to choose incredible. my winner, and it was a great story. I mean, just, just incredible. All right, so let's talk tennis. The Australian Open, Mississippi State alum Nuno Borges, the first ever Portuguesean, I don't know if I said that right, uh, to make it to the round of 16 over there down under in the Australian Open. He lost last night in four sets to the number three player uh, in the world, but an incredible run for him. A lot of fun to keep up with him over these past few days. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to be spending my Sunday night at 10 o'clock watching tennis, but I was. I tuned in for a few a few points there, and a really cool, uh, really cool story for Nuno, uh, who was the SEC Player of the Year when he was here at Mississippi State, and uh, he is moving on into the pros and doing a good job. I honestly thought you were about to just try and be funny, be like in the Australian Open news. No, I'm kidding. No, nope, I had a story one. There. That's fantastic. Yeah, that that's really really cool. Uh, yeah. He lost to Medvedev, who's really good. Really good. Really good. He did win a set. He won the uh, third set and really had a chance because mm-hmm. he lost yeah. the second set in the tie break. Won the third set mm-hmm. and he lost 6 1 in the fourth set to uh, go down 3 1. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Borky? Yeah. Southern Miss basketball, a winner. They've won two in a row uh, by a combined four points. This one, uh, especially sweet, avenging an earlier kind of blowout loss. Uh, at Troy, Troy comes back to Hattiesburg, gets an 18-point lead with 13 minutes to go in the second half. Southern Miss comes back and wins. They're now, after, quite frankly, a really disappointing start to the season. They, they did not get off to a good start at all. Uh, they're 5-2 and two in league play and only one back of first place. So uh, a couple of really close wins bouncing back and being in the mix at the top of the conference again. 
Good for them. Good for them. Hey, it's a talented roster. You get good players on that roster. Experience, success from a year ago uh, has not gone as well as they would have liked earlier, but uh, we'll see if they can get it done because ultimately that's they what's going to They hadn't had the injuries they've had. If they hadn't had the injuries they'd have, they'd probably be in a pretty good, pretty good spot. Again, I think probably it's a one-day league, the Sun Belt, but yep. you never know. Sports Talk Mississippi will continue winners and losers on the other side of this break with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. You on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. I know a couple more winners for you. We'll get to some losers in just a moment as well. Um, you'll have to forgive me if I do not pronounce this correctly. Kentucky fans just call him Big Z, Zivonimir Ivicic. He is a seven foot two, 234 pound freshman from Croatia. And prior to this past Saturday, Avisic had not played in a game for the Kentucky Wildcats. His eligibility had been held up by the NCAA. And normally when a guy plays for the first time, you know, they might get him in, you know, play him a little bit, get him out. Nope, not not the case for Avisic on Saturday. He had 16 minutes on the floor in his Kentucky debut, went 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from behind the arc, with 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks, and 13 points. And there was a sequence where it was block on one end, he gets the ball in the low block on the other end, he's covered defensively, goes behind the back pass out to the wing for an open 3 for Kentucky, and then again, he hit three of four from behind the arc as well. Seven two, two hundred thirty four pounds, and that was a pretty good Kentucky team before Big Z uh, became eligible. And now they've got this Kentucky is humming. It's a really good Kentucky team. It's off to a four and one start in SEC play. Any other winners for you guys? I mean, aside from the obvious uh, uh, great NFL games this weekend, Patrick Mahomes is truly unbelievable. Now, Pacheco's great, and Andy Reid's offense is great. It's not like he's completely barren of weapons. Travis Kelsey's still there. But six consecutive AFC championships in his six years as a starter is unfathomable. And this one, he had to do more carrying of that team than he ever has before. 
uh, if there's anybody, and I don't think there's anybody, but if there's anybody that doesn't think that we are witnessing true greatness at the quarterback position played by Patrick Mahomes and you are wanting to see something that's not there, he's unbelievable. That that streak is second all-time. He might pass it at this rate, but six consecutive conference championship games for Patrick Mahomes. Pretty incredible. And his numbers were not eye-popping yesterday. He threw for 215 yards, but two touchdown passes. Uh, both of those to uh, Travis Kelsey, who had five catches for 75 yards in the game. Maybe we were a little premature in uh, crowning the 49ers tight end, uh, the better of the two elite tight ends. Well, he, was, he was really good, too. He was. He was. He was. But, man, and and that's but, on the road. His first road playoff game, by the way, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. All, that's, all that said, though, the best Kelsey performance of the day when it goes to brother Jason. What a, what a stud. What an absolute legend. Shirtless and God knows how cold it is, just slamming beers. What a great life that guy leads. Cl- climbs World out of the retirement. window of the skybox into oh, the stands yeah. to take pictures with kids. <laughs> Yeah, dude, and do you see yeah. what he did? By the way, fantastic. I mean, just shows you the kind of guy he is. He found a there was a Bills fan, young girl sitting down in front of him that had a sign for Taylor Swift. Didn't realize that Taylor Swift was sitting behind him, so he grabbed her, picked her up, and brought her to the box so she could speak to Taylor Swift. That's pretty cool. Looks like that's he's awesome. enjoying assumed retirement, even he, though that's not official I mean, he's yet. Only, he's only a week into it, but he's he's doing well. He's doing good. Seems like a really good dude. Other side of the coin, losers from the weekend. Is Caitlin Clark a loser? Hmm? I what think the I text line tells us. No, no one knows more about how to take a dive than me. I am the professional wrestling fan on this show. That, my friend, was Shawn Michaels' quality. All right? She sees the contact, leans into it, and then flat backs it. Just a total, perfectly taken bump. Rick Flair would have been proud if I was hurt. If you're going to go that far, get a razor blade out. Blade. Red makes green. Let's see a little color here. <laughs> Imagine if she'd been sitting there in a pool of her own blood. My gosh, they might have reversed the decision, given the game to Iowa. If you don't, know- I, I know you were shocked to see the national media immediately eat it up with Van Court storming. Oh my gosh! So, oh, of course. And let me tell you, let me tell you though, when I first watched that video, being the wrestling fan that I am, I was like. She sold that. Like I could, I was just looking. She I was like, a fetal that, position. Guy, that person did not hit her hard enough to get the reaction that maybe knock her down. But I mean, no. In, no, in I was fairness, just like, I was skeptical fairness, from the start. No hmm. fan coming onto the floor should make any contact whatsoever with an opponent. Agreed, one hundred percent. There's no arguing that. But. That that right. fan didn't initiate the contact. So if you don't know what we're talking about, the, the women's basketball phenom Caitlin Clark is selling out road arenas all over the country, yeah. including Ohio State this weekend. And because uh, and this is exclusively because of her. Ohio State beat Iowa. She didn't have a great fourth quarter, but she's shooting 40% from three. She's a special player. Ohio State stormed the court. Uh, and as she is jogging off the court, a fan is holding her phone and like recording herself storm the court collided with Caitlin Clark and initially 
I mean, Clark hits the deck and, and had to get carried off the court, and it looked terrible. And as Richard said, everybody's just piling on it. Oh, how awful this is. And prayers for Caitlin Clark. And, oh, we got to ban this right away. And, oh, just everybody was just shaking, mad, and outraged. Other angle shows what Haydad said being exactly true. LeBron James doesn't flop that bad. One thing. Yes, maybe not great in the fourth quarter. She did have 45 points in 43 minutes played, including overtime, and was 12 of 25 from the field, 7 of 18 from behind the arc, 14 of 16 from the free throw line, had seven assists, two steals, had a block, turned it over seven times. Um, But, look. She's special. She's a special player. She is. and, And not only that, I've listened to a few interviews that she's done. She's really likable, too. Um. On the court, you don't see a ton of humility. She plays with an edge. She plays with fire. She plays with passion. If you listen to her off the court, there's a ton of humility there. No doubt confidence, as as there should be. She's, um, She's special. She is really, really special and has done a ton for women's basketball. I mean, Borky, you, you hit the nail on the head. Everywhere, everywhere Iowa goes, they are selling out road arenas. If I was uh, if I was Triple H, I would have tweeted at her and been like, "You want a contract? Mm. WrestleMania is coming up." Any other losers, or should we go to the uh, ceasefire text line? I just want to mention that the Bills lost. I don't like the Bills. You like That's the Bills? Really un-American of you. I don't like the Bills. Why? Somebody I don't like likes the Bills. Oh. So I'm glad they're unhappy today. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> hey, I haven't, I haven't liked the, the Cowboys since my Uncle Butch tried to force uh, me into Cowboys fandom when I was a kid. Uh, and so, the, I mean, that makes no sense in the big picture either. So I feel you. All right, C Spire text line, some of your winners and losers. And if we run out of time, we will uh, we will get to more of those on the other side of the time. To- uh, um, the break. Somebody said I was going to say Nuno. Nuno or Nuno? Nuno. I think it's Nuno. I could be wrong. Nuno Borges competing with um... <laughs> says Nuno Borges competing with Extremes guitarist Nuno Betancourt for the coolest person named Nuno. And then Haydad added to the conversation and Nottingham Forest manager Nuno Espirito Santo. That's right. You hear- did you hear me roll that R? He did good. He did good. Uh, what else have we? Uh, Zach says he gave you all a mess for talking golf, and then his first winner is tennis. Yeah, I think that was the point, Zach. Uh, loser America. That was, the, uh, that was the joke. Do you guys realize oh, no. that we are well, we one did. step closer to two weeks of Super Bowl Taylor Swift coverage? Shake my head. I hope Lamar ja- Jackson does the Lord's work and eliminates the Chiefs this weekend. Godspeed, Lamar. Did you That's on the ceasefire text line. Did you see the sign the uh, the young Bills fan had? Uh, I guess they figured out with police presence and stuff where Taylor was going to be walking into the stadium. You had a young Bills fan that had a sign. And, and it's going to be hard for me to describe because it, it's a meme. And if you're not on the internet, you may not see it. But it's it's this old stock image of a girl like walking with her boyfriend. And she's looking back at a better looking guy. 
and that meme has been used all over the internet forever. Mm-hmm. A girl walking with a boyfriend looking back at a better looking guy. Right. This kid changed that to where it was Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, and then Josh Allen. And as she's walking into the stadium, he's holding this sign like right in front of her. And to her credit, she laughed. She thought it was funny. But this kid waited outside the stadium with this sign for Taylor Swift to walk by him. That kid's awesome. i tell you what another winner is. Sports Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad in particular, but Sports Talk Mississippi. Lest there be any question, people are listening. We'll explain when we come back. With you in the Pearl River Resort Studio, we're back right after this. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. fun way for us to go back through a, a lot that happened over the weekend for you to be involved with that as well. Three of you sent us a message that was uh, comparable to what Borky said earlier. Jared, Dan in Hattiesburg, uh, and then there was one other, no name on this one. All of them, though, talking about Southern Miss men's basketball. Winter times two. Won two games last week without two of their starters. Both Hart and Curbelo were out. And that Game on Saturday included an 18-point come-from-behind second-half deficit against Troy that uh, put Southern Miss in second place in the Sunbelt Conference standings. So uh, an echo of what Borky said earlier, Southern Miss basketball certainly a winner. Uh, we get one that says winner, Ohio State, the Buckeyes. So they are stacking the deck with the transfer portal including the uh, the five-star quarterback that was at Alabama and is now headed to Buckeye country. And we were wrong on our prediction of Georgia for Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs also headed to Columbus. Pretty good roster they're putting together there. There's no better motivator than a threat. Uh, when do you think you'd run faster, with a bear chasing you or a four-year-old chasing you? You know? Uh, Ohio State has been embarrassed by Michigan. So Why how do you a brown bear? Uh, grizzly. No polar bear, right? Because all the other kind of bears are they they eat plants and fruits as well. Isn't in, in yeah, the polar I, bear exclusively a meat eater? Yeah, it's a polar bear. I heard yes. somebody describe this the other day. Um, fight against a black bear. Play dead against a grizzly bear. And run like heck if you see a polar bear coming at you. And just hope that you're faster than he is. Or probably fa- not. Or but. faster than the guy next to you. But, uh, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be faster than the guy next to you. Just trip him. You don't have to be faster than the polar bear, only faster than the slowest person in your group. But but that's the big motivator. And I know it wasn't losing. We're, we're never going to the north. No. No. <laughs> the three of us are never going because oh. I'm definitely the slowest. But we've got black bears here in Mississippi, though. So maybe we'll run into one next time we're out in the Delta. Uh, they're there. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I mean, think about how much money Ra- Ole Miss raised off the back of the threat of Auburn. Uh, mm-hmm. All the money that Ohio State's raising off the back of the threat of Michigan. 
Alabama might not get there until they start losing games. But when they start losing games, you're going to see an influx of stuff like this. It's very interesting when this decides to to establish. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good sports weekend. It's a great one. It's a good weekend all the way around. Plenty to uh plenty to consume. Hey, how'd your uh how'd the cooking plans turn out for the uh the weekend based on what what you described on Friday? As planned. Was no issues. I had an issue. Not, not hard to cook chicken. I, oh, no. I had an issue last night. Um I have a uh, I have a green egg that needs some repair. So the seal had been deteriorating for a while, and it had kind of frozen shut. And so when I lifted it, I think it caused one of the brackets on the back to bend, and um, couldn't get the grill hot enough last night. So I, I put I had these beautiful pork tenderloin bacon wrapped, almost like pork steaks um, wrapped in bacon. And then had some bistro fillets, uh, all courtesy of uh, my friend, uh, friends at, at LB's. Um, Greg took care of me on those, and they were great. I couldn't get them hot enough, though. <laughs> it's like I put the meat on, and the grill was at like 300, and then when I lifted it, it was like settled in at 250. And it wasn't necessarily the night to try and go low and slow. Plus, I couldn't close the lid all the way because of the gap where the thing had bent. So I had to start them on the grill and finish them in the oven. Turned out fine. They were they were good when it was all said and done, but uh, a little bit of a, a catastrophe with the the grill. So got to got to do some repair work there. Never had to replace like the band and the spring mechanism thing on the lid. So we'll see. Uh, otherwise, good though. Yeah. What'd you cook this weekend, Borky? Uh, salmon, and it was excellent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you said you were doing it. I had the it, big salmon point. Oh, yeah, and and on Friday night after the Pelicans were getting blown out, I flipped over and watched the season finale of Reacher, which was great, and I, I was planning on making like three meals out of the gigantic salmon filet that, that I bought. Instead, it was uh, one and a half. It was one for me and then... A little bit for James, and that was it. But a little bit for the boy. Yeah, I, I crushed it. I loved it. But yeah, all right. Good weekend. A lot of football watching. I watched every second of every game. It was amazing. Hey, Dad, do you want to tell the story, or you want me to? I said Sports Talk Mississippi oh, is a winner. Is... Brian Haydad is a winner. They they they, they were they were there for you. You gotta you gotta tell it. There there was a message on uh, on Twitter uh, in which I was tagged that said, "Welcome to the hump." at Richard Cross STM, and there was a picture with it. It was a picture of a sign that said, trying to get that cross money. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I look up in the band, and about two-thirds of the way up on the aisle, one of the band members at Mississippi State is holding this sign up in the air. And he happened to be looking right at me. I looked at him and waved and gave him a thumbs up. And yes, I didn't know. Was, if the, I didn't know if y'all had connected. Yeah, I, did you get I him on camera? Did did it, did did they, did they get it in the, in the broadcast? I don't know that it made. Uh, I don't know if it made it on TV. If it had made Pat Bradley would have said something to you if if that had made the broadcast. If he had seen it, it'd have been like, hold up, what is this? I, I told him the backstory on it, and he thought it was great. Uh, 
It'd be more so, like, oh, I can't do his, I can't do his voice. I can't do it. But God, yeah, that would have been fun. The God, Richard Cross. What's this? I can't get there. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. That was fun. That was uh, funny. It made us all laugh. We got a kick out of it. <laughs> we all laughed. Oh, and uh, once again, proof that if we could get some merch going, we could we could be making a, we could make we could make a little of that cross money. Mm. I wish, man. I wish what you yeah. I wish what you believed was true so bad. Hey, Dad. <laughs> I know. I know. So 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 bad. So thanks for that. That was fun. Um. Good environment Saturday, I, I thought. I wasn't sure. It was kind of a like arriving at tip crowd, good student crowd early, and then it mm-hmm. filled completely up. And I thought uh, for the moment it was sold out on Saturday. Mississippi State has already announced the sellout for next Saturday uh, when they host Auburn mm-hmm. again at 2.30 uh, next weekend. Uh, I would guess, and this is not a knock, it's just what they do, that there will be a significant number of Auburn fans that will be at that game. They have started traveling. I don't know if I told you guys this or not on um You mentioned thir- it, yeah. But the Vanderbilt game. Yeah. I mean if there are four or five thousand people total at the at the arena, probably fifteen hundred of them were Auburn fans, and that was on a Wednesday night with bad road conditions. They uh, they travel, so it should be a great atmosphere this coming Saturday for Auburn and Mississippi State. But between now and then, Bulldogs got to try and find a way to get one on the road against a Florida team that plays much better at home. I mean that's that's the case. So Auburn's really good home and away. Tennessee seems to be pretty good home and away, though they do have a road loss. Kentucky seems to be pretty good home and away, though they have a road loss. Their one loss in SEC play on the road at Texas A&M. Alabama's one loss on the road against Tennessee. They ran into a buzzsaw Saturday in Knoxville. It is, uh, let's, let's echo Michael Borky from the last few weeks. It is hard to win on the road right now in SEC basketball. And if you get a win on the road, it's almost, it's almost like it's worth two. Yeah. Well, it kind of is with in, in this situation for State with these next three road games at Florida, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, because they're all quad one wins if you can get them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really they really are big opportunities. Florida is just kind of eh this year. You're right that they are they are good at home, but there's nothing special about this Florida team. You know, I, I haven't been impressed with, with anything Todd Golden's done to this point. You know, it, it, you know I, I keep going back to this in my head that, you know, when State hires Jans, it's Jans, it's Matt McMahon. It's Todd Golden. Those were the top three candidates in in in, in college basketball that year for the jobs here in the SEC. And the way it pl- panned out, it really looks like State made the best hire out of the three. In, in terms of results so far, absolutely. You you want to talk about polar opposites in in terms of coaching style for guys that were hired in the same cycle in the same league? Florida, Todd Golden, they want to play. By the way, Florida did get a road win at Missouri this past weekend to uh, to go to two and three in the SEC. They want to play a lot like Alabama does. Maybe not quite as many three point attempts as Alabama does, but they want to get to the rim and they want high quality shots from the perimeter. And that's just not what Mississippi State does. I mean, their, their identity as a team starts on the defensive end. That's not where Florida's identity starts, and, and you can see that in a couple of the losses for Florida. Where I mean. They, they gave up, what, 100 and whatever on the road against Ole Miss, 103 at Ole Miss. Um, 
They, they gave up 85 in that loss to Tennessee last week. So big opportunity for Mississippi State. We'll see if defense travels for the Bulldogs on uh, on Wednesday night. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll wrap up the 4 o'clock hour coming up next with you. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. 601 879 did you see the um, the note from the Arizona booster over the weekend? He was disappointed. Love this uh, move. Disappointed in Jed Fish leaving Arizona to go to Washington. And uh, apparently he sent Jed Fish a message that said, you could have been a legend here at Arizona had you stayed. I went out of my way to make sure you didn't get our best players. I don't ever wish anyone bad luck. And you were the first one. You disappointed me. I thought we were friends. Now, this is not just some guy. Humberto Lopez is one of the biggest donors to the University of Arizona. He's given lots of money to academic programs. He is, and his foundation are responsible for their new business analytics program at the University of Arizona. And apparently he is very, very responsible for Noah Fafida, Staying at the University of Arizona, not entering the transfer uh, transfer portal, and hanging to uh, play for Brett Brennan, the new head coach that they got from San Jose State. You uh, you like this move? I love this move. I mean, the very definition of putting your money where your mouth is. You're mad at your coach, do and you have the financial means to do something about it. Not only do you do something about it, but you let him know that you were the reason that the quarterback and the leading wide receiver are returning despite a coaching change. It's a baller move. Said he's trying to show I'm some of the star football players that were the backbone of the 2023 Alamo Bowl champions that staying in Tucson is more than just money. He says, quote, we're trying very hard to be friends, to be honest with them, be open. I told them, I'll mentor you throughout your life as long as I'm alive. I'll help you throughout your career. They have a friend in me. And he said that in reference to conversations that he had with uh, Fafita and others, including Jonah Coleman, who appear to be staying. Um, So uh, apparently you have a pretty influential booster. Who also cares about the players? That's cool. Money where your mouth is, right? There you go. There you go. I don't hear him bemoaning the uh, 
the current state of the sport. He uh, he did something about it, unlike our friends over yeah. in Tuscaloosa. Did you see uh... – go ahead, Ed. Well, I was going to say, what does that guy do? Do we know? <sighs> no, I don't. I was reading through a story, and I was trying to find out exactly what he does and you know net worth and all of those things, and I did not immediately find those out. So, if I figure out what it is, I'll uh, I'll let you know. What were you going to say, Borky? Uh, did you also see the video of Iowa's new offensive tackle uh, talking about how after he stroke? But the, the video had a caption that said, mid-season, Iowa reached out to him. That is not the words that he used at all. But you have Alabama people taking what he said and calling for the NCAA to investigate Iowa for tampering. Because, again, the Alabama transfer, former five-star, was asked at an Iowa basketball game just about his experience. And he said, you know, Iowa, the coaches there, after I struggled in the SEC, said, you know, hey, keep your head up. You're a good player. you'll, You'll be fine. And that's why he wanted to go back to Iowa, because despite him telling them no, they still cared about him. And the outrage machine got fired up because, oh, I was tampering. I mean, Hugh Freeze was talking to Chris Jones the whole time. What are we talking about here? No big deal. Hmm. I just, I'm not sure you want to be throwing stones in that glass house. Probably not. Oh, Evan doesn't need to say anything about tampering, considering the amount they're going to have to do over the next few months to fill the full team this fall. You see Lane Kiffin retweet the uh, Ohio State spending $13 million in the transfer portal article (laughs) over the weekend. That and retweeting the uh, AL.com story. (laughs) This is great. The story reads like this. There's one thing Lane Kiffin and all Alabama fans have agreed on for a long time. Nick Saban's the GOAT. Now the Ole Miss coach has shown us a second. The former Alabama offensive coordinator took a little time away from trolling the Crimson Tide to post on social media a life-changing experience. My life will never be the same. He posted on X, formerly Twitter, with a picture of his first ever stop at Bucky's. He tweeted, first time ever at Bucky's, my life will never be the same. I it, guess we've all been there. I mean, it is life I have been to Bucky's. Yes. It, 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 it yeah. changes the way you look at fueling stops along the way. It's rare to, uh, to plan your road trip around a stop at a gas station. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi.
Five o'clock hour, final hour of the show with you on this Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses there. The Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book a tee time or plan your trip online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit Golf, part of Pearl River Resort. You can join us today on the C Spire text line, not just today, but every day, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We're glad to be with you. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So the transfer portal was all the talk for Ole Miss. What, the... First week of January, really kind of yeah. leading into the the Peach Bowl and immediately following the Peach Bowl. Yeah, because they got Nolan, who at the time was the number one portal player. Then it became um, Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs, who went to Ohio State. Uh, that was a Christmas Eve thing. Okay. So week 10 days leading into the Peach Bowl and then immediately after. They kind of died down a little bit. And then it became a topic of conversation again because Ole Miss lost some of the players that they had gained through the transfer portal. To Cameron Richardson, the transfer from Mississippi State, declared for the NFL draft. Tyler Barron decides to go to Louisville. To Marion McDonald decides to go to Louisville. Was there another subtraction for Ole Miss that I'm not thinking about? The, Taz, was it Nicholson, uh, who, oh, yeah, yeah, who the, had uh, some academic issues and uh, was would not have been able to enroll, and and I don't he think was a it transfer was, from Illinois. Yeah, I don't think it would have been grades necessarily, but like credits, and uh, you know they're still yeah. student athletes technically, quote unquote, and so that became an issue and, and couldn't go there anymore. But now that conversation is heated up again as Ole Miss seems to be back in the acquisition phase in the transfer portal. Most recently. Uh, getting a commitment from Alabama cornerback Trey Amos. Played significantly but was not a starter this past year for Alabama. Was expected to be a starter this coming year and certainly could be a key piece for Ole Miss in the defensive secondary. And the area where Ole Miss didn't do as much as they needed to do was on the offensive line. And it looked like they were going to kind of just sit tight until the period following spring football around the first week of May. But with the Nick Saban domino effect, Nick Saban retires from Alabama. Kalen DeBoer gets the job, so Alabama's got the thirty-day portal or thirty-day window that's open for guys in the portal to, to get in. Washington has that. Arizona has that. San Jose State has that because of, of this ripple effect created by Nick Saban's retirement, Ole Miss appears to be in the mix for a couple of the offensive linemen 
that played for the Washington Huskies this past year. That was an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award. I understand that that offensive line got handled by Michigan in the national championship game. They did. But that was a really good group up front all season long, and both Julius Bulow and Nate Kalia. I was going, yeah, I was going with Kalop, but Kalop, whatever. K a l e o p. Watched a good bit of Washington this year. You, you don't hear offensive linemen get called out much unless uh, there's a penalty, usually. But yeah, both of their starting guards um, is, is who they are. Both guards uh, in the portal, and both reportedly visiting Ole Miss literally right now. Okay. And then um, Arizona State has an edge rusher in BJ Green who had six sacks this year that Ole Miss seems to be... He was going to go to Washington, but DeBoer left Washington, so now he can uh, alter it. Uh, So one by one, those are interesting, right? Because they each take the offensive line out of it because they didn't lose offensive line commitments in the portal. But DeCamry and Richardson didn't flip to somewhere else, but they, they got him, and then now he's off to the NFL. So they had to replace a defensive back. And Richardson was a really quality defensive back, and losing him was a big loss. But they turn around, and thanks to Nick Saban retiring, bring in an experienced SEC quality defensive back to replace him. If they're able to get B.J. Green, they lose Tyler Barron to Louisville, the Tennessee transfer, and they replace him with somebody that was equally, if not more, productive. Now, not in the SEC, but a productive edge rusher to replace him as well. They lost um, to Marion McDonald to Louisville as well because Louisville was really involved in the NIL game and good on them for doing it. They replaced him with Ian Banks from Ridgeland. So when they're losing these guys, they are getting right back into the game with somebody that is comparable and in some cases ranked higher than the ones that uh, that they're losing. So they, they've done a really good job um, replacing the, the flips with players that are on equal uh, footing or, or certainly comparable in their replacement, and the offensive line thing's totally different. They just they need help on the interior. Uh, the, those two guys, if they can e- even just get one of them, but if they can find a way to get both of them, uh, then they're really cooking because that that is where they need help the most. I, I keep seeing people say that why aren't they getting a tackle? Why aren't they getting a tackle? The LSU transfer went to Tennessee because you got your left tackle from North Carolina already, and Micah Pettis comes back. That's a tough sell. Hey, come in with a year or two of eligibility left, and oh, by the way, the starters are already there. And they don't rotate much on the offensive line. Come on, join the team. It's kind of a tough sell. So so tackle, they they might be done, and if they're not, it's going to be somebody that they'll pick up in the spring window. They needed interior help desperately. And they can sell playing time in those spots. Much tougher to sell at tackle considering what they have. Yeah. Um... And we'll see how these go and if commitments come from them. And then I think we are getting close once again to things are a little quieter on the portal front. Until Harbaugh leaves. I mean, we well, that's a good point. We get a message that says Alabama's crying about tampering. That's comical. They're mad the Dodge Charger and Challenger were discontinued because Bama was their biggest customer. <laughs> Said, and that was pre-NIL. It is fascinating, though. Think about it. So a defensive back 
a defensive back would rather play at Ole Miss than Alabama. Think about that. And I'm not saying that as like condescending towards Ole Miss, as like as if Ole Miss is not a place that you would want to go play football. But a defensive back, a starting defensive back at Alabama, would rather play at Ole Miss because of Saban's absence. And that is a reality that that is going to continue to hit them. As great as DeBoer is, there's no way Trey Amos hits the portal and goes to Ole Miss if Nick Saban does not leave. There's no way. But because he did, the allure of Alabama's gone. Now it's about the the two things. Will I play? And will I get paid? And how much? Yeah. The I mean, brand Alabama that... doesn't have a factor anymore. Yeah, hey, hey, Dad, there was some thought that Caleb Downs was a guy that was going to get in the portal regardless of whether Nick Saban stayed or not. But I sure would have liked Nick Alabama's chances of convincing him to stay if Nick Saban had still been there. Yeah, maybe they would have, yeah. maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe he just was going to leave and, and wanted to leave. I think one thing we've learned in the past couple weeks is, because we, we talked early when, when he first announced that he was retiring, that Surely they knew about this and they had a plan. They did not. They did not know about this because this has been, I mean, it's been handled poorly. And in retrospect, I mean, Saban doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but it would have been a lot better, I think, for Alabama for him to announce right after the SEC championship game, this is my last run. And and, and that way they could have worked the portal a lot better yeah. than, than they did. So yeah. it, I, I know he didn't mean to, but he kind of he, he kind of screwed them. With the way he did it. That's and he said multiple times, there's no good time to do this. I don't know that there is a good time anymore to announce you're leaving if you're stepping down. Yeah, We got a couple of messages. One said he uh, he wasn't a starter. Another one said, can't fix stupid. He had 12 tackles. As Richard said, listen very closely, he was going to start in 2024 for Alabama had he stayed. Kind of, kind of fits the mold of what Alabama's done with players. They get elite players out of high school. They're not necessarily starters right out of the gate. They're used heavily on special teams and in a backup role, and then they grow into those starting spots. And you hope, if you're Ole Miss, that he's one of those guys that would have been a starter and would have been a difference maker for Alabama. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Hey, did anything, anything ginning on the, the recruiting front, the transfer portal front on the, the Mississippi State side of things? In, in reality, it feels like State's kind of moved on to 2025. Uh, they, they may hit the portal window back up uh, after the spring when, when, yeah. when it opens back up again. But these past couple weekends, they've been bringing in rising seniors. Uh, they got a commitment yesterday from a defensive lineman from uh, Florida, uh, Jeremiah McLeod. 
um, who had, I think, about 10 Power 5 offers at this point. So it looks like a pretty decent prospect. He's not ranked by any service, but talking to some people there, they said it's just it's just early in the process for a lot of players. Um, but by and large, I, I haven't seen any kind of traction. They, didn't, they haven't brought any portal visitors in the past two weekends. I feel like they've they've kind of flipped gears and starting to look ahead to 2025. And like I said, they may revisit things after the spring. Obviously, you would think if they revisit things following the spring in that next open window, the focus is on the defensive side, right? It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unless there's some sort of can't-miss playmaker decides to hit the portal and shows interest oh, sure, in Mississippi sure. State on the offensive side of the bar ball. Yeah, they they shouldn't be. The only thing they would be looking for maybe is a running back. You know, you don't know what you don't have a lot going on in that running back room. You've got Jeff Pittman and uh, Kevon Lee back. You've got Johnny Daniels coming in. It looks like Xavier Gayton, who I thought they they wanted to, to originally recruit as a defensive back, but I think he'll get a first crack at running back now, uh, just because they don't have a whole lot of depth there. Seth Davis. You know, we all saw the injury that he suffered there, and and I think that he's going to be out probably the entire close to the entire season. State doesn't have a lot going on at the running back uh, spot. That's why they were really hoping that Daniel Hill could come in and uh, and be that for him. Obviously, he's at Alabama. Tweeted out this weekend, he's locked in with Alabama. So if he's going to be in the portal, it'll have to be next year or something like that. Um, so that's the only offensive side of the only offensive position I would I would keep an eye on. Beyond that, yes, the secondary. Uh, edge rushers, they, they need those guys in bulk. Do you think ultimately the right strategy to not spend too much time focusing on what this roster is going to look in, like in 2024 and, and really focus your time, your energy, and your resources on that 25 class? Is, is that the right decision? Well, I think that you know they would have taken twenty four guys if they could have gotten them. They just no, nobody's really interested. You know, I think the decision with to hire Coleman Hutzler, uh, who's just an unknown guy. You know, they just don't know him. And so we're talking about transfers, guys who are going to be there for a year. Do they want to put themselves into a, in a rebuild uh, with a coach they've never heard of? I mean, that's, that's a tough sell. Uh, I, I found it really interesting how. Uh, with both Levy on the offensive side of the ball and with Hutzler, that State wasn't able to get any visits from anybody from Oklahoma or Alabama. Um, I thought that was just something interesting. But I mean, from what I was told and from what I, I've, I've, I've figured out, that you know, it's not an NIL issue. It's that you can't even get the guys to campus to talk to them about NIL. They're just they just not aren't, aren't interested in Mississippi State right now. So I think that the coaching staff has, has yeah has kind of made that conscious decision to like you know what, and I and I, and I think I think that. And we'll, you know, we'll see the game, so we'll find out who's right and who's wrong. But I think they liked some of the young guys they have on campus. They're young and they're gonna have to take some knocks, but you know, they've got they've got a, a good core of, of recruited guys there, and they'll, they're gonna try to build around those. And it's kind of a double edged sword, isn't it? Because it's almost like recruits slash transfer portal guys need to see a little bit of a proof of concept with mm-hmm. Levy, Hutzler. What they look like on mm-hmm. the defensive side, what they look like on the offensive side, but yeah. it's a little harder to show that proof of concept if you don't have the guys to do what you're trying to do. And, 
And I think with Levy, the offensive side of the ball, the, the portal recruiting has been fine. You've brought in two great wide receivers. Yeah. You brought in four potential starters on your offensive line. And, we, and tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, we go pretty deep onto Blake Shape and talking about him. But, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, the guy's a well over 60% passer with th- uh, two and a half to one touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, playing for, you know, that one Baylor team, you know, he played half the season for in 21 was pretty good, but the last two years Baylor has struggled, and it hasn't really been because of his play. So Levy, Levy's got the, the resume. He can show you, hey, I, I, this is what I did at Ole Miss. This is what I did at Central Florida. This is what I did at, at Oklahoma. We've gotten better offensively every time I've been there. Hutzler's the one who, I mean, no. again, I, I always go back to it that when he was hired, literally the first word out of my mouth was who. You know, I had never heard of the guy. And I, I assume that I wasn't alone in that. And that being said, though, it feels like they're making pretty good inroads in the twenty-five class. So I think they—I think those guys are good recruiters. It's just—it's going to be tough in year one. They're going to kind of have to show off with what they've got. This falls into the recruiting conversation, but completely different. Um, you guys may have seen this on the uh, on the ceasefire, te- or excuse me, on uh, on Twitter, not on the ceasefire text line, but on Twitter. Um. And it came from on three sports. And maybe this just speaks to who he is, although it makes you wonder if there's perhaps a, a trend in the future. Former Buckeye quarterback C.J. Stroud has donated between fifty dollars and $100,000 to Ohio State's collective. You guys have heard me say in the past, and people that raise money for universities and athletics foundations will echo this to a person all over the country. The give-back rate of former athletes is extremely low. It's not zero, and certainly you have exceptions to that. You have seen that at Mississippi State, especially with some former baseball players that have made donations. You've seen it at Ole Miss with former athletes, um, baseball, football players, basketball players along the way. But in terms of a percentage of your total number of athletes that have gone through your programs, have had success, have gotten a degree, and have gone on to do whatever they're going to do in life, the, the percentage of former athletes that give back to their university is very, very small. Could this possibly start a trend? Or does this just speak to C.J. Stroud and, and kind of who he is and what he believes Ohio State did for him? Oh, I think it's I think it's just him. I don't. I don't see it starting a trend. I think, you, you know, you got some people who are just they're wired differently, and they're the, that, that he wanted to give back to his university, and that's not that's not a that's not a shot at anybody, you know, for state, Ole Miss, Alabama, anywhere. You know, it's your money. You're entitled to do with what you want with it. But that being said, yeah, it, it doesn't. It, I don't think it's going to start start a spark of okay. Well, if he's doing this, I can do this kind of thing. Yeah. Stroud does feel different. Every time I listen to him, uh, I, I feel like my takeaway is he just gets it. 
He is he's bright and his head is completely screwed on the exact right way. Obviously, a really good football player as well, but I do feel like Haydad's right in that he's he's more of one of one as opposed to some kind of a trendsetter. I tend to agree that that that's right. I just thought throw it out there. It was it, it's fascinating to see, especially when these players now maybe it'll change, but but these players didn't get paid well. They didn't get paid this amount of money when they were in college. It, they they had to get the underground way, where they had to go get a McDonald's bag filled with five hundred bucks and not a contract worth five hundred thousand bucks. You know, it was a little bit different for for these guys. Maybe they're a little bit reluctant to say, "Hey, wait a minute, I was a star at Ohio State. I didn't get a multi million dollar contract. I'm not paying you, so you can get one." Yeah. Because I've heard some former player interviews that are like, these kids are lucky. That's not yeah, fair. You, you, you got to get past that. This is the you know, same way, it, however it was for the players in the 50s, they had to give to players in the 80s. The players in the 80s and the 90s, they got to give to the players now. That's just the way it is. Things change, and you have to either either get on board with the changes or your team goes 3-9. and nine. That's the truth. Right? There's only two options you have. There's only two options you have. And and doesn't doesn't each generation of players have it better than the previous generation? I mean the the, the guys that played in the eighties had it better than the guys that How played in the sixties. The guys that played in the two thousands had it better. That's the that's the whole point of civilization. Hmm. It's to have it better than the people previous. You're like I had my dad had it had it tougher than me. Yeah. My dad worked hard so that I could have it easier. I work hard so my kids can have it easier. I don't want my kids to suffer. So, yeah. You still want to teach them. That's the whole point. Yeah, you want to teach them about the the value of hard work. That's the whole point. But I think all of us try to do that. We try to give our kids more than we had, regardless of how much we had. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. about keeping up with uh, when birthdays are. And so I appreciate the message that we got on the ceasefire text line. How about a shout-out to David Kellum, voice of the Rebels. Birthday is today. This says 65 laps around the sun. I had to do a little uh, little sleuthing, a little research, and uh, that is accurate. Today, January 2nd, is David Kellum's birthday. And uh, happy birthday to our friend. Hey, I got a, I got a, I got a question for you guys. Can you forget somebody's birthday if the birthday hasn't happened yet? If they ask you, yeah. If, if I if I were to say, hey, what's my birthday, and you didn't know, you would have forgotten my birthday. No, I don't mean like that. I don't mean like that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right, so your scenario. You, you, you need, I, I need. I need more context. Then go. So. You've already 
made plans for somebody significant in your life's birthday. You've done some thinking about it. You've done some preparing to, to make sure when the day yeah. arrives, you've done the things that you need to do. Yeah. And in the course of conversation, something is scheduled on the day of the birthday, and you don't immediately go, oh, no, that's your birthday. We can't do that that day. Does that mean that you have forgotten the person's birthday when you've actually already done things to get ready mm. for it? So let me, let if me this see if feels personal, it is. Let me, let me see if I can get myself through this. All right, so you have made plans for person X's birthday. You, mm. You've already made some plans. Something's going on. You get a phone call from somebody, work, probably work-related. They're like, hey, we need you here on this day. And you and you 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 did you agree to do what that person said? Do you go ahead and say yeah, yeah I can be there, no problem? Okay, we gotta stop talking in code. I'm making this more okay. complicated. So so Jane's yeah. birthday yeah. is is Jane's birthday is Wednesday, January twenty two days from from yeah okay, two, so two days okay. away. Right. And right, over then. the course of the weekend, we were talking about some things that the kids had going on, mm-hmm. and we've got the the daddy daughter princess ball. On Wednesday. Okay. Which is also Jane's birthday. And she's like, well, I mean, you can't do anything that night. You're going to the deal with, with Francis. You, you you didn't even know that was my birthday. I was like, I did know that was your You forgot about my birthday. I did not forget about your birthday. No, I, I, I I'm going to go with you I on this I did one. not forget about your birthday. Feels like she just snuck it in there like a jab. I, I, I think you were, I think you are okay in this one. Like you're in the clear. I hate to agree with with you. I'll I be honest you with you. I know you but, do, but you're I would love for you off. to be in trouble. Yeah, you're you're way better off siding with Jane on on any issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, oh well. I, I, on this list, you though, I think you're okay. I, or at least you should be okay. You probably aren't okay, but I wish we were doing what we did what we did to celebrate her birthday last year. Even though it was not as like warm as I had hoped it would be, we snuck off for like a quick long weekend in Scottsdale mm-hmm. no ice on the ground in Scottsdale I will you you go ahead and book that trip I will do play-by-play for Mississippi State Auburn will they will they expense a suit I gotta go buy a suit um probably not hey I'm afraid I, I color didn't with? show up for that yeah that it might end up costing me more than just you getting to do it in that that one of yeah no 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 you're gonna let them know I'm coming okay yeah oh we'd have a great time you're gonna let them know you're like hey I can't make it don't worry I got a replacement this guy's great yeah um I mean you might take my next thing you know we're forever well no no I'm, I'm looking at in terms of next thing you know the three of us are on the SEC network you know Monday nights or something mm maybe so maybe maybe so. Ravens 34, Texans 10. What stood out for you guys in this game? Baltimore's defensive dominance. That was a really good Texans passing attack. Although, I mean, they could get better at receiver, and they couldn't run the ball at all. That was Stroud's first road playoff game. But, I mean, did they take a red zone snap? Just just unbelievable dominance. And, And the only touchdown that the Texans had was a punt return. Uh, that stood out to me because we all know about Lamar and, and his weapons and all that. But, man, if they're going to be that locked down on that side of the ball, who's beating them? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Lamar's numbers were were good. He was 16 to 22, really high completion percent, only 152 yards, but a couple of touchdowns. They didn't need him to do more in the passing game. He also ran it for 100 yards. Yeah, and that was the difference right there. Yeah, 11 carries for 100 yards and two. He was responsible for four touchdowns in the game. It was, I mean, he's just, he's really good. And CJ Stroud wasn't bad. I mean, 175 yards, no touchdowns. It just, He's not Lamar Jackson. And he doesn't have the pieces no. around him. Baltimore has had the best record in the regular season of anybody that's still alive in the playoffs. They went 13-4 and in the regular season. 49ers went 12-5. and Lions went 12-5. and Chiefs were 11-6. and Who else went 12-5? and Does anybody know? It's the, uh, Tell us, Bork. The yeah, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> The, the, Fuck, the, you the know who? who it is. The, the the who boys? The fraud boys. There you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed out? with Stroud, too. Uh, I agree with you. He, d- Despite the loss and, and the lackluster numbers, for his road first road playoff game against that defense, uh, I came away thinking they're, they're, they're in good shape. Their window is about to open. Hadn't even started yet. Yeah. I thought an impressive performance by Brock Purdy in the uh, in the 49ers win, 24-21 uh, over the Packers. The conditions for that game were gross. I mean, it rained for the entire game. Purdy throws for 252 yards and a touchdown with no interceptions. Christian McCaffrey had the, uh, the breakaway touchdown, kind of bounced off a guy, slid sideways, and then just stepped on the accelerator and ran away from everybody. So two touchdowns on the ground for him, just shy of 100 yards rushing. Um, and you talked about that on Friday, about how, you know, at that position, McCaffrey was a difference maker. That it, you, you you mentioned that, and he came through for you. Yeah, he did. Do you see the video of Purdy taking his drop? He was really struggling with the rain. I mean, a lot of poorly thrown balls to where it clearly wasn't coming out of his hand right because of the rain. Went gloves, took the gloves off. But during his drop, he, he brings his right hand down to his, his waist and is wiping his hand off as he's going through his progressions on his leg before he brings his hand back up on the ball to throw the ball. That's hard to do. Yeah. He he didn't uh, – d- couldn't figure out what to do in, in the rain, but um, he didn't make the fatal mistake. That was Jordan Love. Yeah. George Kittle was good. Four uh, four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown in the ballgame. He was targeted seven times. He's a really, really good player. And when they need a play, they go to him. Yeah. Did have a bad drop in there, though. But, yeah. uh, hey, Dad, a friend of mine pointed out to me earlier today the exact sim- – almost the exact similarities between Jordan Love's interception and, uh, and one that mm-hmm. you remember fondly uh, that was thrown by a former Packers quarterback in the Superdome. Yeah, very similar. Very similar. Like the exact same play. 31-23, the Lions win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The magical season for Detroit, and Dan Campbell continues. Jared Goff was good. He threw for 287 and two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield, not a great interception at the end. And, and look, they had a long way to go to uh, take, it, take it down the field, but just over the middle trying to force it wasn't there. First off, Borky, I want to thank you. I thought you were going to throw like an Ole Miss interception of an in and egg no. ball at me there. I appreciated that. Actually being an interception that I did appreciate. It. The Lions, could they do this? 
I mean, the Packers went in there and made it, the 49ers look kind of mortal. Could could this happen? I, I don't know. I don't think it could, but I'm excited that there's there's potential. Sure it could. Don't you think? Don't you believe? I think Hutchinson and that pass wow. rush can really bother Purdy, man. So yesterday on Twitter, somebody I think it was Colin Cowherd tweets, How does how do they not block Aiden Hutchinson? And Joe Moorhead replied to him and gave like this detailed answers of how protections get changed at the line and how you gotta look at and it was this long, you know, Good thing he was verified because it was a lot of characters, right? And I just wanted to retweet or tweet it back at him and go, yeah, but still. Like, <laughs> I don't care what the game plan is. Somebody's putting a hat on Aiden Hutchinson on every play. I don't care. You, you got a point. Like, block him. Him. I, 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 almost, I almost said something to Joe. I was like, Joe, I know you know a lot more than I do. But, but come on, man. But still. But. <laughs> The emotions there. I mean, did you see him after the game? Hey, Joe Moore? No, Hutchinson, being a Michigan guy, Joe just... <laughs> um, no, I didn't. Just standing Is on the excited? field, just looking around, almost like he was in a dream. Like, that. this moment is hitting that team differently for a couple of reasons, but him in particular, soaking that in as, as a Michigan guy, seeing that, you could tell it, it was different for him. Does he become like the biggest hometown hero ever? Oh, yeah. We'll wrap it up with you coming oh, yeah. up next. Let's go, let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. So think about growing up in Plymouth, Michigan, which is part of the Detroit metro area. I mean, full-on suburb. It's almost exactly halfway between Detroit and Ann Arbor. You're a star in high school. You go to a Michigan. You become basically the biggest star in college football. You get drafted by your hometown team, and then you lead a defense of a team that is now headed to conference championship game. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson can't retire after this season, but it'd be the time to walk off into the sunset and be like, I've done it all. I'm good. I'm just going to, I don't know, be a farmer for the rest of my life or or whatever. I mean... Like, as hometown hero as hometown gets for a big city. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, they're Certainly so likable. They, they really are so likable. Golf is likable, and his story of getting shipped out of L.A., Amon Ra's likable. Uh, and, and Dan Campbell's postgame, I, I swear, instead of paying, like, some joker 50 grand to come speak to your company for motivational purposes, just play Dan Campbell's postgame speeches. I, I mean, his after this game... Where he stops and says, do you guys understand what's happening here? Do you understand what we're doing here? I love that. Just 
he he is different, and that team in that locker room is different. I hope they win. What a cool story. They haven't been in this position since before I was born. Yeah. And he was mocked. I keep going back to that. He was mocked. Universally. Bad hire. Oh, he's just kind of an idiot. What are the Lions doing? This is why they can't win. And then you had the grifters come in and talk about why he got the job. And it's because of something... Um, that we don't need to get into, but it was universally mocked. And now look at him. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah, Jamel Hill is who I'm referencing, and, and that that opinion of Dan Campbell only got that job because of what he looks like. Yeah, all of that. You got it from, from every angle. I wasn't going to paint you into that corner and make you explain yourself. No. And Haydad certainly wasn't going to. No, that's yourself. No, wasn't going to happen. And, and they're biting kneecaps, just like you said. You knock me down on my way up, I'm going to bite your kneecap off. Okay, Dan, that's weird, but I'm here for it. Yeah. All right, so our conference championship game is coming up on Sunday. Doubleheader on Sunday, 2 o'clock at 5.30. Chiefs at Ravens, Baltimore favored by 3.5. That against Patty Mahomes at your own peril. Lions at Niners, San Francisco, a touchdown favorite, seven-point favorite. Bet against Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions, the magical story at your own peril? Maybe? Just thinking. These are different, right? These these don't feel like the conference championship games that, the crazy thing about the NFL, though, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like Baltimore, Kansas City feels okay. Like I mean, those Baltimore's good year in year out. Obviously, Kansas City is what it is, but San Fran and Detroit. (laughs) So the cost to get in for that Chiefs Ravens game four hundred seven dollars is the get in the door price. Makes sense. Does this though? Levi's Stadium. Lions at 49ers. Temperature 69. Tickets as low as $12? There's no way that's right. Especially not with the Lions fans and how they're going to travel. Well? I mean, Borky, I'm looking at it right here. Is it standing room only? Section 129, lower level, row 34, $33. That can't be right. Yeah, there's Buy them. Yeah, buy buy them and resell them. And resell them. Buy them, Richard. You can make a huge profit here. This can't be. Something. Something's going on here. No way. How have you not clicked buy yet? Buy well, it. I, well, I, maybe I will. But. Richard about to make about a thousand bucks here. Whoa, 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 <laughs> He's figured ESPN it out. ESPN has the wrong link. This is for okay. the NFC Championship game watch party inside ah. Ford Field. <laughs> I knew that. Don't didn't buy make them. Sense. Don't buy them. That's funny. Uh, let's see here. This one in Santa Clara. Uh, by price, cheapest ticket, $758, it appears. 
That's that makes better. a little that more, makes more sense. sense. Yeah, same section in Santa Clara is that thirty-eight dollar ticket, twenty-three hundred. Hey. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Enjoy your Monday night. a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.